week, next Sunday, uh, I think it's very important that uh, you all be here at this location for worship service because I won't be here um, to, uh, well, I won't be here. And I want you to be here when I'm not here because um, there's some people who mess with me and I want, I want to prove them wrong. Just We're just saying that. So I want you to be here because um, it's, there's always something wonderful about somebody who's, who knows I'm preaching in a month. And they got a month to think about it. See, I, you know, I, I, start, I start these on Saturday night, really, and just start saying, yeah, what am I going to say today? And, but Johnny's going to be preaching next Sunday, and it is going to be really good. Um, and you, I think it's super important for you guys to hear um, from our shepherds, from our elders, as they um, hear from their heart and hear what the Bible is teaching them. Um, and so please be here next, next Sunday, um, and uh, it, it's just so much better to preach to a crowd of happy faces. Um, now, next week, I will be doing a gospel meeting, um, I think in Canada somewhere, Dirks, uh, Dirks, Canada, Derek's, I don't know, I go back and forth, uh, I, I need to learn how to say it before I get over there, I'll just say Derek's. Just sort of get both in. But uh, Monday and Tuesday, you're not invited Sunday morning. You are not invited Sunday morning. Monday and Tuesday, though, uh, it'll be 6 o'clock over at the West Side Church of Christ in Dirks. Uh, if you want to come to that. Uh, if I were you, I'd be sick of me. So, uh, But you're invited. That's all I'm saying. Um, so please, uh, come. If, if, you, if you've got nothing else to do, um, they'll have a... They'll, have good singing, and then I'll be talking about the good news. When I was growing up, the gospel, when I went to a gospel meeting, it wasn't always the gospel. And gospel is, a, is an old English word for, um, to say good news. So if you're um, an old Englishman, I guess, I don't know who speaks that language, but it's an old English word for good news, and anytime you see in the, in the scriptures uh, Jesus came proclaiming the gospel. It should be translated good news. Gospel is actually a pretty bad translation for that. Sometimes I'd go to these gospel meetings and what I'd hear is, um, you have, you, you, unless you get it right, unless you get it perfect, um, sayonara, they would say. And uh, we're not going to be doing that. We're actually going to look at what's good. We're going to look at what the good news is. We're going to look at how that affects our life and how that should affect our church. And um, just stick with the gospel at said gospel meeting. Um, now, sometimes the gospel can turn into something else. And I didn't really experience this growing up. But sometimes it can turn into, if you are good, then God will do good things for you. And sometimes we can use the miracles to mess with this, right? Like we can say the miracles, you, it, look, that person believed and they were healed. Well, I think that's a mistake. Uh, to, to apply that universally across the board to say, well, if I can just have enough faith, if I can just pray hard enough, then somehow my life, because of Jesus, my life will be put back together again. And that's just not always how it happens. Um, and I also think it's a mistake to see the world operating under some, um, 
some uh, godly marionette stage in which God has all the strings and he's pulling all the... Uh, he, he's saying, you do this and you do that and, and things always happen exactly how, how God wants them to happen. And I don't know if that's true. Actually, I, I say that sort of passive-aggressively. I know for a fact that's not true. You read in the Old Testament, God's on the mountain and He looks down at the people. He's on the mountain with Moses and He looks down at the people and He says... What are they doing? Like a good evangelical Moses would say, well, God, you know all things and everything is under your control and everything happens for a reason. God, see, everything happens for a reason. And God says, I don't like what they're doing. God says, I've got an idea. I'm going to kill all of them. And then do for you what I did for Abraham. I'll make you into a great nation and then we'll, we'll, go, we'll start over. We'll reboot this like a computer that's just having trouble. Just start it over, see what happens. But God didn't like the brokenness and the chaos and the evil in the world. God does not like that. So whenever we are, whenever we are hurting, whenever tragedy strikes... It's not because God just really wanted another angel in heaven. I can't. I, it takes everything in me not to say to those people, well, the God you imagine is a jerk. Because I really wanted my child here. But we don't think those things through before we say them. And we, we try to make sense of the chaos and the brokenness and the, and the, and the desperation. And we try to figure it out and somehow say, well, well God's got to, God's, where is God? What's God doing? When there's evil and, and, and pain and chaos in the world, where is God? What is he doing in this place? And there's this, there's this great story, uh, there's this great thing that happened in the ministry of Jesus. It's a miracle, it's the, one of the craziest miracles that he performs a bad word, but it's one, it's one of the, that he did. It's the cra- one of the craziest things he did. Is he was on a boat, and a storm came up. Alright, let, let's get into the scripture. It's in Mark 4, if you want to go there. I don't have it up here. Um... I can read it. If I don't fall off the stage, I'll read it. If I do fall off the stage, I'll get up and I'll read it. It'll be fine. Mark 4, verse 35 says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And hearing the crowd behind, or leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Uh, um, Other boats were with him. Okay, so... um, the way this particular sea worked is there was, it, it basically was in this crater. So there's these mountains all around, these hills really, all around it. And so you have to go down into this sea. And so every time you um, got out of a boat, you were standing, you looking at a hill. And, uh, and gusts of wind could come up really quickly on this particular sea and um, stir, up, uh, stir up storms. Now... Most of these storms happened in the afternoon, so whenever they wanted to uh, fish, they would fish at night. That's why you see the disciples fishing a lot at night, because the storms would come up in the afternoon. They weren't re- the, the, the waters were typically calm at night. So night comes, they say, well, let's cross. It's all right. And they start to cross the sea, and look what happens. 
a great windstorm arose and the waters beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. So the, the water is coming over and they, get, they start to panic a little bit. This isn't, next slide, please, if you can help me out. A great windstorm arose and the waters uh, beat, beat the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the, uh, Jesus was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? We are dying out here. Do you not care? Now, I would argue that this is the same sort of attitude we might have toward tragedy and chaos and brokenness in our lives. Like we would say, Jesus, where is God? Does God not care that I'm uncomfortable? Does God not care that I'm hurting? Does God not care that I'm broken? And so we would we would look at that and we would say, where is God in these moments? And we turn around and it bothers us a little bit to see him asleep in the stern. But he gets up, he woke up, you know, we always picture Jesus waking up like like a holy person would, you know, not, oh, what, what, you know, he was a human, he woke up like the rest of us, just panicked, especially in a storm, what's that, okay, all right, and said to the sea, peace, be still. The word here for peace, we, I mean, this sounds real, again, sounds real holy. Peace, peace. If you watch the movies where white Jesus beats the storm, he says, peace, be still. But the word here for peace is more like, uh, like the Spanish word, caete. Like just, hey, you be quiet. It's a demand. Stop. Be still. Then the wind ceased. And there was a dead calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Now, here's what's interesting about all this. The way they viewed the winds and the storms is different than the way we view the winds and the storms. All of us, I feel so sorry for meteorologists, don't you? Like meteorologists nowadays have no job. Like they can't, they they don't even have a specialty. We are all meteorologists with the computers we carry around in our pockets. We can just say, hey Siri, what's the barometric pressure today? And Siri says, well, the barometric pressure is, and then he tells me. Like we know, we know everything that they used to go and have to research with those big honking computers. And then they would get on TV and tell us no one's watching the weather channel anymore. Unless you're just like an older person who don't know, doesn't know how to change your channel. That's always my suspicion when I walk in. They just don't know how to do that. But we all have we all have the phone and it tells us it shows us the radar and it can show us the cloud density and it can show we we see storms in green and red and yellow. We see them scientifically. They did not see storms scientifically. They saw storms like an act of evil. 
They said, then said, go out, go out on the sea. And they saw the things, the bad things that happened in the sea. They believed the sea was a place where evil came from. You can see this in their, in their old traditions. You go back to Genesis and you see God speaking light into the darkness. That's, that's the old Jewish way of saying that, um, that God is overcoming evil in this present, in this particular poem. Now, also in that same creation poem, what we have is God not just making land appear, but he's manipulating the sea. See, he doesn't say, and God spoke and there was land. It said, no, and he drew back the sea and the land appeared. And he separated the waters. They saw the waters, the sea as like this evil entity in the same way that they saw darkness as this evil entity. And here in the darkness on the sea, a wind arose. And they connected this, they connected this with this, like this, um, this evil that happens in their life. They, they saw a storm rising up in the dark on the sea and they said, here comes evil. Something monstrous is brewing. You can actually see this in Revelation whenever the city of God comes and it says, and God will reign and it says, there will be no more sea. They have, they, they connected sea, the sea with evil, with chaos, with brokenness, with strange happenings. And the fact that Jesus stood in that boat and told the evil, told the chaos, told the brokenness what to do was flabbergasting to them. They were amazed. They were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this guy? What just happened here? See, a lot of times we can take this story and we can make it into sort of a flowery metaphor and say that whatever's happening in your life, just have enough faith and God will take care of it. And I don't, I, I think that's um, malpractice with the text. I think we have a, um, I think we do damage to people who have suffered seriously and and painfully in their lives when we make it that sort of flippant and say, well, you just if you just trust in God, then everything will work out well. The gospel, the good news, is not that if that through Jesus our life will work out. The gospel is not that through Jesus our our our, our situation will, will rectify itself. That our life will be easy. The good news is that through Jesus our death will be temporary. That our death will not have the last word. And that all that is evil and broken and chaotic and seems to have an influence and an impact on our life will not win. And I think there's something beautiful about Jesus being asleep in the stern like a body in a grave waking up and conquering the chaos and the evil that threatens us.
our faith is not is going to work on a different level than the disciples because the disciples had no idea that the resurrection was going to happen and when it did happen they weren't even sure it happened but our faith is now not that in the sleeping guy in the stern but it's the resurrected king on the throne and i know god has beat it i probably think way too much about my own death it's probably a little unhealthy just about any time I'm driving somewhere, I pass a car, and like I, every 25th car, I, I'll think, oh, that car could have crossed the line and easily taken me out. I mean, just like that, I'd be gone. Get my wife without a husband, my kids without a father. I mean, they, she'd get a husband, and they'd get a father pretty quickly after that. <laughs> but, you know. At least briefly. <laughs> oh, that, I just want to keep running with that one, but I'm going to keep it just between me and her. Uh, no, she's a hot commodity. It would be, be inappropriate at the, like, the luncheon, like come here often. No, this is not appropriate. But... Anyway, like it could happen like that. Boom, gone. Is, Jesus, is God still God when I die? Is God still God when I die it, prematurely? Is God still God when I get sick? Is Jesus still resurrected and still on the throne when, when I lose my job or whenever I, 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 I lose my parents or I, I, all the awful things and chaotic things that can happen in this world, all the evil that can come on you. If cancer gets in your body, the king is still alive. And so we, we, we have a faith that the one who was asleep got up. The one who is dead, resurrected, and now rules. And that not even evil and chaos and brokenness can, can beat him. So you say you are, well, what about death? He beat death. What about cancer? What does cancer lead to? He beat that. Eventually, all of the brokenness and pain and harm lands us in one place. And he beat that place. We are called to have faith in the one who conquered death. That means I live fearlessly. I live knowing full well that something awful can happen and I'll be all right. We used to say this a lot. We don't say it as much anymore, but you're going to be fine. You may die, but you'll be fine. It's not, it's not as... It's not as if God didn't beat all this stuff that ruins us. And yes, it causes pain. And God is there for comfort in those times too. But God has won that fight. We have overcome because the one we follow overcame. Not because we earned it. Not because we, we did a pretty good job and therefore God is rewarding us. We have overcome because the one we follow got up out of the grave and rebuked the evil and death and it stood still. Even the wind and the waves obey him. 
So that I can tell you a lot of things about Jesus and can tell you that, hey, I, if, you, if, you say, if you do this thing and do that thing, then he will, you know, you will force God's hand into forgiving you and your sins will be gone. Yes, and all that's true. But at the heart of the gospel, it is not, it is not that we get our sins forgiven. It's that we get our tombs emptied. We do get our sins forgiven, but the, the good news, the best news is that death has been beaten, that evil has been overcome, that good has won, that light speaks into the darkness. And after all of that, it is, it is my inclination to ask you to follow the one who beat the death, beat death, who beat evil, to follow the one who even the wind and the waves obey him, to obey that king instead of yourself, because it is my, um, it is my belief that you can't, you can't conquer death for yourself. You can't find redemption just by yourself. You can't have relationship with God outside of a community of people who are having that relationship with each other. It's just not how it works. So today is the day, whether it's a recommitting to that following or it's the first time and you said, I'm going to follow the one who conquered the grave. I'm going to obey the one the winds and the waves obey. If your life hasn't lined up with that so far. Today's the day to start. He conquered the grave for you. Today, come down the aisle for him. We will pray with you. We will unite you with Jesus into his death, burial, and resurrection and baptism. Whatever you need this morning, however it is that we can help you, Please don't walk out of here living the same life you lived walking in. Let the power of God and the victory of God affect you in ways that you can point to and say that has changed. Because in the end, you just, it's a question of whether you believe it or not. Do you think it happened? Or not. And if you think it happened. It's got to have an effect on you. Let it. Let us as a church walk with you in that way. Let us celebrate your, your, uh, your commitment to Jesus. Your recommitment to Jesus. But please don't walk out of here regretting that you didn't come. And get the prayers union, the celebration of returning or coming for the first time. Whatever you need this morning, please come forward while we stand and sing.